0: Well, good morning again. There truly is a lot of information surrounding Jesus's final week, especially uh, the events that we're celebrating today. There's just all sorts of scripture from the from God's word, the Bible, that is just uh, that tells us about what exactly happened that we're celebrating this morning. And so really glad you've come to, to celebrate with us, to learn a little bit more and hopefully also to respond to some things that God may be saying to you personally um, over a quarter of. There, there's the, the Bible's divided into an Old Testament and a New Testament. The division really is Jesus came on the scene. God himself became a man, came in the flesh and lived among us, lived among his people. And in the in the books that talk about Jesus's life, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Those are known as the Gospels. Those tell us about who Jesus really was, the life that he lived in those books. Over a quarter of Matthew, over a quarter of Mark and over a quarter of Luke, all are devoted to Jesus's final week. There's just great significance in what happened at the very end of his life. And about 40% of the book of John is written and just tells us about what happened in Jesus's final days in his in his ministry and in his his life on Earth. Um, There's a handful of different characters. And so there's so much wrapped up in all these events. You saw the video it talked about all these names and people and places. And and even as a pastor, sometimes it's very easy to get wrapped up in some of the minute details and even missed the point. And so as I was reflecting on what what are we celebrating here this morning, um, again, for me, it was just a time to remember what's really most important. And so that's what I want to focus on this morning. What what difference does Easter really make? You know, not to mention all of the things in our, in our society, the Easter bunny, the eggs, the new outfits, the Easter sales. You know, it's great. We can get discounts because Jesus rose from the dead. And that's, you know, I never really... Saw the connection there, but you know, there's great um, family gatherings. There's all sorts of things, but really, what difference does it all make if we don't understand the significance of it? And so, you you might be here this morning, and you you may be in a number of different spots in your life. You might be at a point in your life where you you've never come to the point where you've decided to make Jesus the boss of your life. You've investigated uh, church, maybe you've learned a little bit about who God is, and and what Jesus has to offer you. But you've never really decided to step across the line. And and yield your life to him. And so um, I'm hoping today this this message would have great significance. The things that God has to say to us this morning. I really I really believe this day that we're celebrating can have tremendous impact on your life from here on out. You might also be at the point where you're just, uh, maybe you're putting in time. Maybe you feel like, you know, I need to do this to please somebody else. I need to, to uh, put in my time with God so that. Other people would be satisfied or family, friends. You know, that might be where you're at today. I hope that, you know, God will speak to you as well this morning. Or maybe you're curious. Maybe you're at a point where you're really curious. You've got doubts about the resurrection. You've got doubts about if this stuff really happened. And we're going to look in a minute at a person who had some doubts of his own. We're going to see a video that talks about some of the doubts that he had. Some of you are obviously here because you've already decided to follow Christ. You, you've decided to no longer go your own way in life, to turn around and to begin doing life God's way. And so you've already entered into a new relationship, but maybe you feel like something is still missing in your life. Maybe you felt like, gosh, I, I, I become a Christian at one point, but I, I thought there was more to it. Something is missing in, in my life. Maybe, maybe you just feel a little empty still. I really think the resurrection speaks to you as well. So I want to deal with all these different questions, really answering what difference does the resurrection really make? The resurrection is when we celebrate Jesus's coming back to life after he was dead and buried in the ground. He was killed. Scripture says three days later, just as he predicted and was prophesied about. He came back to life and he showed himself to his followers. There's you know, there is so much detail given to us about these events, even before Jesus even came on the scene. Hundreds of years, even thousands of years before, God, He spoke to His people and they penned prophecy, things that would happen in the life of God's Messiah, Jesus Christ, before He came on the scene. And so Jesus stepped in and He fulfilled God's plan to redeem the entire world. And that, that has great impact on them back then, 2,000 years ago, but it also has tremendous significance for us today. Um, one side note we'd like to offer you a resource. If you have questions about if these events actually happen, did Jesus in fact rise from the dead? Maybe you've got doubts about that. Um we have some resources for you that we wanted to offer to you for free. Um as you go out today, there's a resource table and there's some books there. One is called The Case for Easter, and another one is called The Case for Christ. The Case for Easter deals specifically with the resurrection, and it was written by a man named Lee Strobel who was a journalist. I believe he's from Chicago and he was a journalist writing for a paper there. And he set out to disprove the resurrection and to really disprove um, what what Christianity is all about. And in the process of going through that, he himself yielded his life to Jesus Christ because the evidence was astounding to him. And he he believed, wow, this is this stuff is legit. And he, he turned his life towards the Lord. And so he's begun to share in his his own writing and ministry now to get that message out. But we have some books available for you if you have questions about these events. But. Well, what difference does the resurrection make? The first thing is this. You find this in your listening guide. If you'd like to pull that out and follow along, there's pens for you. But the first thing is the resurrection. It's the foundation. It's the foundation of the Christian faith. Let's take a look at how the resurrection challenged the doubts of Thomas. Thomas was one of Jesus's followers. We're going to see a video here. And he was one of Jesus's closest friends who walked alongside him, but he had tremendous doubts in his life. When Jesus died on the cross and he saw what happened, the doubts and the sorrow rose up inside Thomas. And and so I'd like you to see what happens when Jesus appears to his disciples and Thomas is not there. Thomas is just kind of off doing his own thing probably because he's broken hearted over the fact that Jesus had had died. And so Jesus appears to his disciples. Thomas isn't present. And then you see what happens here in Thomas's life. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Unless I see the scars of the nails in his hands, and put my finger on those scars, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were together again indoors, and Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Then reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop your doubting and believe. My Lord. And my God. Do you believe? Because you see me. How happy are those who believe without seeing me? Thomas was kind of like the eternal pessimist among Jesus' followers. He was, if you're familiar with Winnie the Pooh and the character Eeyore, that was Thomas. He was just, does it always got to be this way? He was just the doubter. On three different occasions, there's this funny ride on Disneyland, <clears throat> the Winnie the Pooh ride. And, and Eeyore, this is a side note, obviously, Eeyore gives Winnie the Pooh a gift. And he says, here's my gift. If you don't like it, you can take it back. And hes I just have that memory because I've been on the ride like a thousand times taking my kids. So <laughs> I don't memorize Disneyland rides, but I've got three kids. And so. but, but Thomas, he really, he had this pessimistic approach. And a lot of it, some people misread Thomas and think he's just completely a pessimist. But he's, he's also very sorrowful or, over the fact that Jesus had died. And so you've got to understand that he'd, he really thought Jesus was... Life was going to end differently. And so when he saw him die on the cross, you know, that, that really changed everything for him. So Jesus appeared before him. He showed him the physical evidence that he, he, he had been, <clears throat> that he'd been killed, but he'd come to life. And Thomas, in verse 28, I'm going to skip ahead. John chapter 20, verse 28 says, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. This is really probably one of the most powerful statements in Scripture where somebody recognized that this was God himself, that Jesus was God himself, but he yielded his life to him in this statement. He said, my Lord and my God. The New Testament was written in Greek and the wording there, it really implies you are the supreme authority. You are the controller, or I like to call it the boss. You are my boss and my God. He he was yielding his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. This was... Truly a declaration of his allegiance to Jesus Christ. He no longer was going to be living his life for himself, but he, he, he recognized it's time to give control completely over to God. Very bold statement. This is the foundation, the resurrection. Thomas seeing Jesus risen was the foundation of his faith, and all of Christianity is built upon the resurrection. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then what we're doing here this morning is a waste of time. We all could have slept in. We all could have, you know, ladies could have saved all the time, setting up all the refreshments. And, you know, it would be just a complete waste of time. And that's not just my thoughts on it. That's what the Apostle Paul said in First Corinthians chapter 15. One of Jesus's one of the leaders in the church, he made this statement, 1 Corinthians fifteen fourteen. he says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Your faith is empty if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the whole chapter is built on, upon this idea that everything hinges on the resurrection. It's not that Jesus was just this great guy that did nice things and he was this great humanitarian, but he was the only person that also gave his life up. He, he said, I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to give my life up, offer myself, so that people can be forgiven and be connected to God for all eternity. Our, our sin, our lives can be changed eternally because of what Jesus did through rising from the dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you back up in the chapter a little bit, you get kind of an early Christian creed or a, a confession of faith. And I wanted to read some of the verses. This is truly what the church taught in the first century. You find this in First Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, or 3 through 6. It says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. He says, This is the main thing I want you to get. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then... Catch this. It says he appeared to Peter and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, although some have fallen asleep. What he's saying is, sometimes we look at the resurrection and we think, oh, this is just a story that had been made up. This is just a great idea that somebody conjured up hundreds of years after Jesus Christ lived, and now we're building our faith on this thing. That's just ridiculous. Well, what Paul is saying here is that These events actually happened. And he's saying, if you don't believe me, Jesus appeared and showed himself to all these different people. At one point, 500 brothers at one time. Some are still living. He's saying, you can go and check it out with them. You can go back and find out for yourself. He was writing this to a church probably about 25 years after Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. But this was a confession or a creed or statement of belief that Christians bought into in those early days because they they actually, with their own eyes, saw Jesus resurrected. So this has tremendous significance. That's the first thing. The second thing is the resurrection offers us a secure hope for the future. It it offers us something beyond today. In the beginning of 1 Peter, Peter was... Again, a close follower of Jesus Christ. And he begins his letter to the church in this way. He's talking to those that, God, that, that know God personally. And he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And catch this, And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, there's not a lot of things that are secure in our world. Our economy is unstable. Investments aren't always that secure. And so when we hear about anything that's secure, it's good news. And so this is truly good news to know that there is something you can hang your life upon, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us a secure hope. It's protected by God himself. You may think, oh, I, I'd like to establish a relationship with God, but I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to screw things up along the way. And that's okay, because that's the truth. We all will continue to do life, sometimes really selfishly, but our relationship to God, if you connect with, with God through Jesus Christ, your relationship to Him is secure because He's the one that's holding on to you. Scripture says that He, he cares for us. He cares for us in a way that we really can't get our minds around. But our, our inheritance, our hope, is already secure in heaven. It's not something we have to continue to do to earn or to keep earning it. God has already made a way for us to have this security in knowing him if we yield our life to Jesus Christ. The future of the followers of Jesus in the first century was really dependent on this hope. They believed that the life that they were living was not going to end at their own deaths. And we know that's the case is because all of the followers of jesus, all of the closest followers of Jesus, his disciples, were willing to die for their faith for their belief in him. Many of them were martyred well all of them were martyred except for john John is he was exiled to an island, Judas betrayed Jesus, he hung himself, and he he really did he didn't you know walk with God, but the other disciples they were willing to put their life in this put everything into their hope in Jesus Christ. And so one was killed with a spear. One was stoned to death. Another was beheaded. One was pushed from a temple. He didn't die. And then they bludgeoned him, killed him. One was burned alive. These are the followers of Jesus. These were the closest men to him. The only reason you could explain that is if they believed that this life was not the end. They believed that they had a future hope that was coming to them. Peter, the one who's writing these words, he was one of the last of the twelve to be martyred. And he was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified in the same way that Jesus was crucified. He, wasn't, he didn't feel like he was worthy of being crucified in the same manner. But all of them were convinced. They were convinced that Jesus Christ truly rose from the dead. And they knew what the future holds for them, so they were willing to walk that life, even if it meant dying. That, that makes a real difference for us. You may not feel like you've got hope in that same way, and so I would really encourage you to investigate if this is worth staking your life on these claims. Another thing is this the resurrection also introduces us to a new purpose for our life here and now. Jesus' resurrection breaks breaks us or breaks through for us a brand new life. Second Corinthians chapter five says, And he died for all, that those who should live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it says he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. God God's resurrection, or Jesus' resurrection, introduces a brand new life for us right here and now. The scripture says in verse 15, we should no longer live for ourselves. We can live for the one who died for us. Our purpose has shifted if you've yielded your life to Jesus Christ. <clears throat> when I decided to follow him as boss and really begin to take him seriously, things had to shift in my life from me being on the throne and the control center and the seat of, of, of leadership to shifting to placing Christ and saying, You lead my life. I want you to run my life. You call the shots from here on out. That's a major shift, and what that does is it opens up a brand new life for us that has all sorts of tremendous possibilities. God wants to grow something brand new inside of all of us, and that's that's why we celebrate this morning. This is most likely not brand new news to you. You've probably heard about Jesus' resurrection before, and so I want to share with you two Passages just from Jesus's ministry and because this is most likely not the first time you've heard about the resurrection and maybe you've even yielded your life to Christ. But you feel like I'm not sure it's really making the difference the way it should the way that that I read about in the Bible. So I want to read with you Mark chapter 2 verses 18 through 22, because I really believe this is a key passage to understand the new life and the way that God wants to give us new purpose for living. Mark chapter 2 and verse 18, it says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Fasting is when you, obviously, you don't eat. So they're fasting. That was a religious tradition for the Jews. It says, Some people came and they asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And on that day, they will fast. You know, Jesus is trying to basically, or these, these people are questioning Jesus and they're trying to figure out why is he not, and why is his disciples not following the religious traditions of the past. And Jesus is just saying, it's not time to do that yet. It's not time to fast, it's a time to feast. Because Jesus is saying, I'm still with you guys. I'm still celebrating, I'm still with you. It's a time to feast. There will be a time, he's saying, when I'll be taken away. He's talking about his coming death. <clears throat> then look at verse 21. It says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. I don't know if you've ever seen this. You have an old, beat up, you know, piece of, piece of clothing, tears a hole in it, and you put a brand new patch. It's saying, you know, that, that can't work because the old is going to be torn, Look at what he says in verse 22. He says, And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Wineskins would hold liquid, obviously. They would hold wine. And he's saying, If he does, if you pour new wine into old wineskins, the, the wine will burst the skins. And both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No. He pours new wine into new wineskins. I think what Jesus is trying to communicate here is that we sometimes want to lay the new life on top of an old way of doing life. We have our own way of doing life, and we want to lay this new idea on top of an old foundation of living, and over time, it falls apart. The new life crumbles, the old life shatters, because the old wineskin, it, it will it will break when new wine hits it. And he's saying, no, you've got to pour new wine, you've got to start completely fresh into a new wineskin. What, what God's saying is, he wants, to, he wants us to abandon our old ways of thinking, our old ways of doing life, our old, even religious traditions, and just come to him and say, God, I want you to make me new from the inside completely. There's a question we have for you on your outline. It says, am I ready to allow Christ to renew me completely from the inside? That's really the, the, the point of this passage, verse 22. He's saying, are you are you?" Are you continuing to try to pour new wine into an old way of doing life? Many, many people, I find, they begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, but they continue to do life the way they want to do life. They're, they don't say yes to the Lord every day. They say yes once, and then they go on back and they live life the way they want to live. And the old way will not support what God is going to try to grow inside of you. And so if you feel like that's me, that's that's what I've been trying to do, then the scripture clues us in. We need to We need a new wineskin. We basically need to let God create me from the inside. We need to allow him to renew us. He says a real similar thing in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 says, verses 24 through 27, really similar idea. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. So he's saying, you've got one individual who hears the words of Jesus, and they begin to apply them to their life. They, they, they are renewed from the inside, they're letting God build something brand new. And they build on that new foundation, as opposed to, verse 26 says, But everyone who hears these words of mine, and does not put them into practice... Is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and they beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. What he's saying, as both of these people, this could represent us. Some sometimes we hear God's word, we hear what God is saying, and we begin to apply it to our lives, and we let him renew us from the inside, and then the new life can really grow up. But sometimes we we merely hear the words and we do nothing with it. We just keep on building our life on an old, faulty foundation. And over time, the new life, everything falls apart. Because the old foundation, the pressures of life, the trouble that we face, it, it destroys it. And so the question is, am I building my life on the right foundation? And this for us today is really an opportunity for you to start fresh. Over the next six weeks, we're launching a new series on how to practically live out God's purposes and answering the question, what am I, What on earth am I really here for? What does God want me to do with my life? What's the purpose of this all? And so I would invite you to come back and to investigate what God's purpose for your life is. Over the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at that. So, But if God is speaking to you about just this whole idea of, yeah, I'm trying to lay... God's ways on top of an old foundation and I'm not willing to abandon my old way of doing life But if you're if you feel like you're ready to do that today I would invite you to respond to god as we pray together right now. Let's pray Let's go to the lord in prayer and dex is going to come up and lead us in more worship father We thank you for your word. We thank you for Rising from the dead god it that is our hope and it is secure in heaven for those of us who know you God you've offered us a second chance at life and that that is something that we all rejoice over this morning, God. But I know that there's some here, Father, that are they're searching and they're trying to do life your way, but they've not completely abandoned the old way of doing life. And God, I just pray that you would you would allow us to completely yield ourselves to you this morning, Father, because you died. <clears throat> You didn't stay in the ground, Father, but you did rise again. And, Father, your resurrection gives us hope that we can once, <clears throat> at the end of our lives, rise, spend all eternity with you. But even right here and right now, God, you can give us a brand new life, God. If we'll just say to you, Father, I've I've blown it. I've tried to do life independent from you, and I, I'm ready to stop doing that. I want to turn my life in a different direction and walk in a new way of life. God, I yield my life to you. I accept you as the Savior of my life, and I yield my life to you as the Lord, the one who I want to control my life from from this day forward. God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to have hope that is truly secure. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for offering yourself freely for us. Lord, none of us could ever repay you for that. But Lord, I pray you would grow in each one of us just a new life that would set out to accomplish your purposes and your will pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you take out this connection card, you flip it over to the back. In just a minute, the offering will be uh, received. And as the offering is coming around, if you would, you know, put this in there so that we know you came today and we can stay in contact with you about what's coming up. But there are some next steps at the top left of this connection card. The first one is this. I like to talk with someone about committing my life to Christ for the very first time. If you've never nailed down this issue and connected with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd encourage you to check that box and let us communicate with you what that really means. We'll send you some information. We'd love to have some, a staff member meet with you and clarify what that's all about. This is the most important decision of your entire life. Another next step is I plan to attend the rest of this series. Maybe if you're not a part of a church home, we, we would love it if you'd come and join with us as we worship the Lord each week and as we share life with each other and trying to live out God's purposes invite you to come and check out the series we're starting on what what on earth am I really here for another next step is I would like to join a six-week small group on God's purposes for my life those small groups will be starting up next week in the middle of the week and so if you'd be interested in it's a six-week commitment uh, but if you're interested in joining a small group to gather together with a group of people to learn about God's purposes we'd love it if you check that box the last thing is I I want to memorize something second Corinthians 5:17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Maybe that's a verse you, you could commit to memory this morning.